Welcome to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast, your weekly study group about cosmic witchcraft. I'm not here to teach, just share what I love. I've studied witchcraft like it's my full-time job, and now you don't need to spend as much time and energy to get started. I'm known as Asteria in witchy circles. I'm a city girl, spiritual seeker, and start obsessed like I'm Natsuki Shinomiya in Utapri. Oh, just a warning, there would be loads of otaku references. I'm the one friends that people go to when they want to know whether they can blame a retrograde for their problems, or they can't make sense of their daily tarot card. And now I'm here to be that friend to you too. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy today's episode and I look forward to connecting with you. Hello, hello. I hope you had a lovely time over the holidays and thank you for bearing with me with the episode coming out late. I had a little bit of a sequence of technological problems between last night and this morning. So I ended up with my first recording yesterday not being usable. And the second recording I did last night very late also not being usable. And my Wi-Fi dying and being unusable for the majority of today. So I'm crossing over my fingers that this episode will actually record and that I can post it just a few hours late. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Welcome if if it's the first time that you do. And welcome back if it isn't. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, even if I can't really see you. This week's topic is cosmic deities. And we'll be talking about the difference between witchcraft and paganism, secular science-seeking and agnostic witchcraft, cosmic deities from the old religions, pop pantheons, and then I'll leave you with a simple clarity spell. First of all, allow me to read a passage from Alain de Botton's Religion for Atheists that explains why I think an episode on deities is important. Although surely, if you even press play, you must at least be open-minded about the subject. Secular society has been unfairly impoverished by the loss of an array of practices and themes which atheists typically find it impossible to live with because they seem too closely associated with, to quote Nietzsche's useful phrase, the bad orders of religion. In giving up on so much, we have allowed religion to claim as its exclusive dominion areas of experience which should rightly belong to all mankind and which we should feel unembarrassed about reappropriating for the secular realm. This book attempts to burn off religion's more dogmatic aspects in order to distill a few aspects of them 
that could prove timely and consoling to sceptical contemporary minds facing the crises and griefs of finite existence on a troubled planet. It hopes to rescue some of what is beautiful, touching and wise from all that no longer seems true. Now, I think deities themselves are one such aspect. Humans love stories, stories teach us things, and while it's possible to simply appreciate mythology the way that we appreciate contemporary fiction, and that we can find community in fandoms, walking with deities takes us a step further from just looking up to their qualities and seeking to embody them. Now, the main difference between witchcraft and paganism is the relationship that the practitioner builds with the deity. For a pagan, it revolves around veneration. Now, I get that a lot of religious terms bring up specific meanings if you were raised in a Christian context. And if you want a good exploration of the philosophical nuances, you should check out Ocean Keltoy's YouTube channel, which I'll put in the show notes. For the sake of this episode, we're talking about acting in a way that shows respect. Pagans venerate nature, and as such, you'll find them engaged in practical ways to take care of her. When it comes to deities, it could be a personification of something more abstract, like the idea of Mother Nature, or the Earth being a concrete presence of the goddess, just to name a couple of examples. Or it could be that you connect with a specific deity as their own person. Different people feel differently about whether each deity from each culture is an individual or just how a different culture relates to the same deity. Or even if all of them are representation of the same divinity with just one god and one goddess at the end of all. And there's freedom in also how many deities you worship, with cults of individual ones. The key difference between paganism and other religions is that no matter how many deities you yourself worship, you don't deny the truth of the deities of others. It remains polytheistic in nature, even if you only choose to worship one god or goddess. Now, some pagans are also witches, but not all people who walk with deities in their craft have built a relationship in which they honour them, beyond their due for helping. Some people advise against invoking deities that you aren't close with, but it's likely a matter of conscience and how you feel about deities to begin with. I tend to err on the side of caution. You would only walk with deities in the context of a relationship. If it turns out it's just me talking to myself, it doesn't matter, as long as it does its job. I walk with deities I didn't know, but it was in the context of group retreats, so they were deities that the leader had a relationship with. There are two main ways you walk with a deity in witchcraft, divination and spellwork. We've already touched upon the spellwork part in the planets episode, but that simply means that you petition the deity for their power in aid of your spell so that you have a stronger energy behind it. Even centering with the power of the earth is a form of deity walk if you believe in earth spirits. 
Divination is about asking for a message. It could come in the form of signs or actual divination. I do tarot, but you could do scrying, runes, reading tea leaves, palmistry, even random screenshots from IG reels. Now, divination is likely something common to paganism too, because at the end of the day, it's about communicating with the deities, and that's the basis of any relationship. Ones that work, anyway. This brings me to talking about the approach to witchcraft closest to mine, which is secular, science-seeking and agnostic. Some people, as part of this community, myself included, walk with deities, and the most common way to, for such witches to do so is as archetypes. There are two ways to look at archetypes. One is the dictionary definition, which is a, a very typical example of a certain personal thing. Anime character tropes are archetypes. Different characters have some shared traits that define them. Then you have archetypes in the Jungian sense, which is universal inborn models of people, behaviors and personalities that play a role in influencing human behavior. Arguably, anime tropes could be considered universal models, but they don't rest on a belief in the collective unconscious. Now, the collective unconscious is a mystical concept and part of why Jung was never as popular as Freud in an age of soul, to make psychoanalysis a science. There are a number of ways to look at the collective unconscious, but I will focus on the main two. One is the idea that it simply boils down to recognizing some innate commonalities among humans that show up before any nurturing comes into play. The other is pretty much the basis of most New Age thinking and the idea that there is a mystical entity from which our souls originate. In practice, the difference between walking with deities as archetypes or just walking with deities is whether you believe they're actually there. It's a form of placebo magic if you don't. So if that's your belief, you are suspending this belief and acting as if they are there. Many witches use open-label placebo, and others, such as myself, just suspend this belief 24-7 because I don't really care to answer the question of whether any of it is real in a scientific sense. We'll live on a rock in space, and yet we don't spend time thinking about it and just go about our days as if that's normal, because to us it is. That's how we experience reality. And that's how I approach both witchcraft and religion, so that's part of why what I share here can be used from both angles. Now, about deities. There are a number of pagan religions that were never pushed into oblivion by Christianity, and as much as I love to learn about them from the people who practice them, I am a white woman of Celtic descent, whose ancestors lived under Roman occupation, and as such, I will focus on the religions of Europe and the Mediterranean that are being reconstructed by European pagans. If you are interested in learning more about other cultures, then please go learn from the people who belong to them and can do them justice. So first we have the sky deities. Among them we have the Aesir from the Norse pantheon, one of the two clans of the gods, all of which collectively rule over sky. Among them is Frigg, who is sometimes referred to as Queen of Heaven. And in Egypt, we find Nut, the daughter of Shu and Tefanet, and sister of the earth god Geb, or Jeb, 
In the creation myth, she had to be separated from his embrace, and yes, I mean that as a euphemism, and that's how we have the sky over the earth. And finally, in Greece, we find Uranus, who not only is a planet named after him in modernity, he also was the titan god of the sky. Then we find the solar deities. In Egypt, we have Ra, the creator of sun god and supreme deity, who takes multiple forms throughout the day, each with its own name and title, and is said to be swallowed by and reborn of his mother not every day. Then we had Dazbon from the Slavic pantheon, the son of the supreme elemental deity Svarag. He lives in an eastern land of never-ending light and bounty, and then takes the chariot across the sky to lighten up the earth every day, and this consort is the moon. In Greece, we have Helios, the titan god of the sun, who also takes the light across the sky every day. In later mythology, the sun also became associated with Apollo, whose domain would more correctly be seen as music and the arts, under his title of Phoebus, which means bright. Helios corresponds to Sol in Roman mythology. And Sol is also the name of the Norse sun goddess, who also carries the light of day across the sky in a chariot. It's a sun solar goddess in Latvia too, where we find Sole, responsible for all life on Earth. She is also patroness of the orphans, which I think is beautiful. Finally, we have Loth, the Celtic god of the sun, which appears in different areas with different variations of the name, after which the harvest festival of Lunasad is named. Strictly speaking, it was the god of the weather, and of course, the sun is part of it. Then we have the dawn and star deities, and I brought these two types together because there is a lot of overlap, especially with the planet Venus as the morning star. In Latvia, we have Auskelis and Ausrine, the god of the dawn and the goddess of the morning star. The latter is counterpart to Vakarine, the evening star. Then we have Eosphorus, also known as Phosphorus, and Desperus, the morning and evening stars in Greek mythology. In Egypt, we find Sobdet, a goddess and personification of the star Sirius, and Sa, god of the constellation of Orion. Going back east, Zoria, a Slavic goddess of the dawn, and Denitsa, the Slavic goddess of the morning star. Back in Greece, we have Asteria, the titaness who is granddaughter of Uranus and mother of Ecte. And then we have Eos, known as Aurora in the Roman pantheon, the goddess of the dawn, which heralded the coming of Helios's chariot. Also in the Italian peninsula, there was Tezen, their Etruscan counterpart. In the north, we have Dellinger, considered by scholars the probable god of the dawn because he is the father of Dagger, the god of the day in Norse mythology. And then we have Bridget, the Irish Celtic goddess with multiple associations, which include the dawn, which isn't too much of a stretch when you consider her main one is fire and her feast day heralds the coming of spring. Then we have the lunar deities. Selene or Luna in the Roman counterpart, which is the lunar counterpart to Helios, who carries the moon through the sky on her own silver chariot. Also in the Greek Roman pantheon we have Artemis and Diana, whose connection with the moon is either through poor assimilation into Roman culture 
or through a series of circumstances like guiding the Athenians to victory in a war under a full moon. Also in Italy we have Losna, the Etruscan moon goddess. Other lunar deities are Ya and Konshu in Egypt, which were two days which merged into each other. Mani in Norse mythology, the brother to Sol, who controls the phases of the moon from the heavens, and the lunar god is also found in Slavic mythology, as Miestas the Asgore to Denisa the morning star, and as Menes in Latvia. Finally, the planetary deities. We've seen in the last episode on planetary magic, but the names which we with which we call the planets are the names of the deities associated with them in the Roman pantheon. As far as I could tell from my research, the association of the planets with deities is pretty much a Greek-Roman thing, and any correspondences found in other cultures have been made as a result of that, rather than being a part of how they worshipped, with the exception of Egypt, which had three deities connected with the planets, and the, of course the moon and the sun we mentioned earlier, and in Latvia. According to the Oxford Encyclopedia of Research, it's difficult to determine with any authority what the connections in Egypt were, but it is estimated that Horus was connected to Jupiter, Mars and Saturn, and Venus was connected to Osiris, and Mercury likely with thought. And just my own opinion, but if you feel strongly about the planets, that might be a good indication of what panther you want to explore. As for Latvia, according to the book Wonders of the Sky by Tamara Andrews, we have Indraya, Jupiter, Celia, Saturn, Zedra, Mars, Vivora, Mercury, and Zemnia, the Earth, as well as those already mentioned. Now, I live by the idea that people should be free to make informed decisions, so I'm not I'm going to talk about a phenomenon that is controversial in the community, and you can judge for yourself where where you stand on it. The basic idea behind the pop pantheon is that if deities are not real, in the metaphysical sense in which you and I are real, then they are no different from characters in other stories, and you can walk with them as archetypes in the same way. If you find yourself having a connection with specific characters in a way that you don't connect with traditional deities in their mythologies, it could be an avenue for you. It's a bit of a controversial thing because some people feel that it makes a mockery of their religion, but I also guess that's partly dependent on how you approach it. There are a number of fictional stories involving deities, and they treat the subject in a variety of ways, and it's perfectly fine if you have no blanket opinion that they're all wrong and insulting, but some might be. Follow your moral compass. Now. The last topic for today is our simple clarity spell, because this comes out when Mercury goes retrograde again, or at least I hope, since I tried to put it out yesterday, to come out today, and also because this is the deities episode, so I thought it'd be fun to involve a deity in it, but you don't have to. This is my Mercury or Hermes spell. All you need is a bowl or basin and some water. Make sure the water is not so much that you'll spill it when stirring it. I turned this into a foot bath before, but that's not necessary. It worked for me because it just forced me to sit still for an extended period of time, which I then used to think through something. In this context, I'm using clarity to mean clarity of thought, but water has the correspondence with emotions and intuition, so feel free to adapt it. However, I'm going with the correspondences to do with Hermes and so if you want to use some herbs 
lavender and marjoram or thyme are good ones especially if you happen to have them as the sprigs but that's just for show all you need to do is call upon your deity if you're working with them and then state your intention of what it is that you need clarity about for the sake of this example you got a walk email that requires setting a boundary and you tend to be a people pleaser who would normally just go above and beyond and accept extra requests but you made a commitment to yourself not to let others take advantage of you so you want to reply um, to this person who's trying to cross that boundary and be kind but firm explaining what was agreed on and therefore what will be delivered so you state your intention as you add the herbs or you use the herbs to stir the water or just stir the water and then just wait for the surface to go back to clear and the inspiration to come to you trusting that your connection to yourself or your deity will deliver what you need when you need it that's it for today i wish you all a happy new year and i'll see you next week i hope for the astrology episode. Thank you for listening to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. A huge thank you to Jenna Sword at Jenna S-O-A-R-D on Instagram for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to be notified when a new one comes out, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And if you really love it, leave a five-star rating and review, which will help me be found by more people who will enjoy it too. Also, feel free to share it on social media and with anyone you think should give it a shot. You can send your questions and comments to my email starryskypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at starryskypodcast. And you can also subscribe to my monthly newsletter at witchymusings.substack.com where I share reflections and tips about the astrological seasons. Until next time!